Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues. Good Monday to you. And we're kicking off the state of Maine, almost a nearby neighbor from Vermont. There's just this little state called New Hampshire that separates us. We'll talk with Griffin Graves from Augusta. The jingle that hits like a single. That's the slogan for Jingle Lingo. It's an advertising vehicle designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of all the musical jingles that you've heard through the year. Who came up with that? Who wrote that jingle? Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo, custom made and custom designed with you and for you through the talents of accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your own personalized musical jingle from Jingle Lingo. www.jinglelingo the jingle that hits like a single. Griffin Graves is our guest today, solo artist, right? There's You're not a band, you're a solo uh, Nope, just me. Yep. Um, the songs we're going to listen to today, did you produce those or did you have those produced or what? Uh, no, I did all the mixing here myself. And yeah. and I, I understand why people who mix make a lot of money now after doing that. <laughs> I've heard two things that 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 I should be telling my grandkids: learn to write code and learn how to mix. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, make bank that way for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, tell me about Griffin. Where you, are you from? Augusta? You born and raised in Augusta? Um, no, I'm born and raised out of Bar Harbor, which is about two and a half hours on the coast. I almost had my Bahaba shirt on. Oh, that would have been perfect. I, I would have put it on if I'd have known. Yeah. I love love saying Bahaba. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's got the um t-shirts all over the place with the sheep yeah. and say Bahaba on it. Bahaba. And they have incredible food and incredible views up there. And that's where the Acadia National Park is. And uh my issue with your your town, your hometown, is I live in Burlington. Burlington, oh, yeah? Vermont, and it takes like five and a half hours to get there. And by the time I get there, I'm so exhausted. And then I get that five and a half hour drive back, you know. So what oh, we've yeah. been there three times this year. So, oh, really? uh, went to Nova Scotia. So we uh, we spent the night at uh, just outside of Bahaba, uh, somewhere someplace south. And then on the way back, we took the ferry from Nova Scotia to Bar Harbor, um, had lunch there, and then we drove down to St. George down that way. And then uh, went again, uh, I guess we went twice this year, that's right. I, I guess I was thinking on our way to Nova Scotia, on our way back from Nova Scotia, and then we went again, we had like a, a family reunion. When my mom and dad were alive, they always went to Maine. So my siblings and their uh, spouses all came out, and we spent uh, two days in Bahada. So much so that I've got it down like a local. <laughs> yeah, I got it down like a local there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, did you play music up there? Or did you play music when you got away from there? Um, I play a lot of music up in Bar Harbor. I, I do gigs there at uh, the Ivy Manor, which is right near the Village Green. Uh -huh. And it's a, a perfect just outdoor venue. And when you set up just right, I mean, you can hear the music from the green. So oh, it's, cool. it's a perfect magnet. Just draw yeah. people in. And um, so I actually I, I did a gig there uh, on their closing day, which was the 29th of october so oh, they really? ran quite late it, yeah. it was like almost 80 degrees that day i mean it was nuts wow yeah, yeah uh, and then then halloween hit and i woke up and the next day we had snow yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it spit snow a little bit yesterday or yeah. two days ago i guess it is now but just enough to make everyone go oh <laughs> not enough to actually do anything so how long have you been uh writing and singing and performing griffin um, so I've been really, I, I started putting out covers around 2018, early okay. 2018. And um, throughout that, I was writing some songs, but I, I never really performed them. I used to do open mic nights yeah. here and there, both in Bar Harbor. And um, at the time I was in college in, in Farmington, Maine. Okay. And 
I did a lot of open mic nights there too. And I was always kind of afraid to play my stuff because you kind of feel like when it's an open mic night, people want to be able to sing along to something. Um, so I kind of kept those hidden. And then when the pandemic hit and everybody was home at all this time on my hands and I was, I said, I, I ought to just do it. I ought to just record the music and put yeah. it out there. And if, if people like it, cool. If they don't, I still have my, my covers to fall back on. And, uh, so I started doing it. I put it out online and I, I had a friend who, who managed his own music on Spotify, who said, Hey, I'll, I'll help you out with it. If you want to put this on and start working on an album. Oh, that's cool. I was wondering how that happened, especially during COVID. That's a tough time to get started, but I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. And if you're yeah. a musician, why not just sit and write and write and produce and produce and write, write and sit and sing. And, uh, so what you put it on Spotify and then how did you draw people to it, to hear it, to sample it, to listen to it? Uh, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of Facebook sharing yeah. it, you know, again, most of my close friends be like, Hey, if you can just pass this along. Um, and then by the end of, was it? Summer of 21. Um, I went to an open mic night that they had hosted. It was the first one since the pandemic and, everyone was all masked up and they had to clean off the microphone in between yeah, yeah. sets and do uh, the whole nine yards. And um, I went up there and someone heard it and they go, Hey, I manage this place in town. Really like your music. Um, you should do this, that, and the other thing. And he's helped giving me pointers. So um, made a Facebook page and band camp and all these other things yeah. um, and just started putting it out. Wow. Now, were you playing in high school? Were you in a band or did you, when did you start uh, playing guitar, I guess? Well, yeah, I, it's kind of funny. So I, I've always done something musical uh -huh. since I was in like third grade. I started playing the trombone, which I'm sure must have been a nightmare to listen to. And then around high school, like ninth grade, I, I really wanted to take up the drums Um and so I asked my music teacher, I was like, Hey, can I take up the drums? And he was like, absolutely not. We got too many drummers. Um, and so we just kept going back and forth. I'm like, come on, please let me do it. And he just kept saying no. So eventually I kind of just left the music scene and, and started playing drums on my own. Like I got this little snare drum and mm -hmm. started playing that. And then my parents got me a drum set for Christmas that year, which was like, oh, my mind cool. was blown. Yeah. And so I started, I was playing that all throughout. Um, then senior year of high school, I was, I was in a little bit of a band, but um, playing the drums with just some friends who also did other music. We did a few just like benefit concert things in the community. Um, but then when I went to college, it was like I couldn't bring the drum set with me. <laughs> um, and they <laughs> dorms are a little too small for a drum oh my, set. I feel like the, the if like I brought in, they would see that giant bass drum and be like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but um i i was like oh you know maybe they'll have a drum set on campus but in order to get to the drum set you had to kind of be part of the music program um and be a music major which i wasn't um and so i was just i kind of went without music for a little while um played harmonica every now and again just for fun with other people but um then summer of 2016 digging around in my garage at home, my parents' garage, I guess I should say, and uh, found a Hondo 2, which is like, you can buy this thing on Amazon right now, brand new with a case for like 70 bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, a real beater guitar and it was, it needed new tuning pegs and a new bridge and new string. I, it, it really needed some work, but I spent the summer just kind of collecting the parts. And by the time that I reached like midsummer, it was together. Mm -hmm. And so I started kind of learning the cowboy chords, you know, the A's and C's and right, G's right, right. and E's, or, uh, all that stuff. Uh, played this self -taught? land is your land. Self-taught or? Oh, yeah. Yes. All self-taught. Um, I used an app called Guitar Tuna, which, uh, which was, it's got a chord library and I use that. And I learned this land is your land. And I must have played that song like a million times i mean another thing to annoy anyone who was around me it was like do you know any song other than this land is your land i'm like nope <laughs> i know this land is my land <laughs> yeah and just over and over and over again just learning those chords yeah um then brought it to college so i can annoy my friends and roommates too <laughs> 
And then after a while, just, you know, got newer guitars so I could hook it up and do open mic nights. First, it was just on campus and then it turned into that community. And then, yeah, I was, I'd go home for three months in the summertime and work. So then it started to turn into Bar Harbor's community and, you know, especially in smaller towns of only five to 7,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. It travels fast. People figure it out fast. What was your first paying gig? My first paying gig was, was in Bar Harbor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was at that the Ivy Manor there in Bar Harbor. And and that felt like a million bucks being able yeah. to like yeah. do that. It was just like, because for so long, all I ever did was um, was open mic nights and mm-hmm. play with some friends or something like that. People always said, oh, you should go. You should go and, and do it. But I was just like, uh, maybe, maybe one day. And then one day turned into, well, do you have an amp and the mic and i said yeah i do and they all right can you do tomorrow <laughs> okay <Wow. laughs> yeah, so it was it was fast it was very fast how long was your set list how, what kind of music did you put together by then uh mostly at that point all like the first few times i i really only did covers mm-hmm. um i'm a big dylan fan so i did a lot of bob dylan oh, um okay. you know just i stayed especially the first few times i stayed right in my comfort zone um and now I go and I, I plug myself and, and do all this. And, hey, this is my song. If you like it, go on to Spotify, go on to here. And and I, I sprinkle in my own stuff yeah. in there, too. Because um, my shows, I go, I just go straight for two to three hours. Um, well, yeah, if you're doing covers and originals, it, and that's expected with a lot of places. They want you to do yeah. three hours. But if you're doing, it seems like when you're doing originals only, you do it. This just seems to be my experience from playing out and and in Missouri and the artists that I've talked to around the country. If you're doing original music, you get 45 minutes, you know. And if you're doing a cover set, you get three hours. And if you're doing a combination of the two, you get about an hour and a half to two hours. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I I'm just going to the the manager there. He's like, I like your stuff. It sounds great. So I just, I just go and do it. And it, it's especially in Bar Harbor in the summertime. There's so yeah. many people, and uh, I've been on so many Snap Stories and TikToks and uh-huh. all this stuff like that that people stumble upon from random people from all right. over the country, all over the world. Even it's, it's great. What the, what song do you play that gets people up and moving, or do you play that, or do you, are you more of an ambient music player? um i do like playing song get people up and go i like the songs where people sing along oh okay um, and there's like certain caroline songs. yeah yeah like that uh, i think the one that gets people singing the most is um i i do um oh i do all sorts of ones that people sing along to but probably the best one that i do is take me home country roads oh, oh God, yeah everyone everyone knows it's like you're born knowing the lyrics to that song <laughs> I was this year years old when I learned that the Blue Ridge Mountains are not in West Virginia. Well, I'm right now years old. When I <laughs> What's funny, I'm a big St. Louis Blues hockey fan. And for whatever reason, in the third period of the Blues hockey games, somehow they just start playing that. And then the whole arena ends up singing the verse all the way through the, fir- through the first chorus. And it's just, it's so bizarre. Of, of all the songs in the universe, that, that's the one they do. You know, I guess that's they wanted to do something because Boston has Sweet Caroline. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier this year on a podcast, actually, and they said, well, did you know that uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains or whatever, uh, almost, uh, almost having West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River, the Blue Ridge Mountains are not in West Virginia. I'm like, Well, no. Why did he do that? Denver, get back here. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, maybe I guess he wasn't very good with uh, geography or something <laughs> like that. Well, yeah, I was going to say something about flying an airplane, but that would be in bad taste, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so the songs we're going to hear, these are all originals then, right? Beautifully Mundane, uh, Fire in the Dark, and Midnight Train. These are all originals. Yep, these are all originals. Okay, so let's talk about the first one, Beautifully Mundane. When I was watching or listening to it, a video or a a, a picture popped up of this this redhead and i was wondering if that was your girl and that's what you were singing about here or what and you said it's just a stock picture huh yeah um yeah there's a couple couple pictures that i that i put out um 
for different songs and, and cover titles and all that. But um, that one, yeah, that was not my girl or anything <laughs> like that. Sadly, <laughs> but but yeah, I um, beautifully mundane is is really it's the first song off of that album. And um, my first album that I put out, which Midnight Train is on, um, that was in 2020. And I had just grown so much from then, from mixing to writing lyrics to all this stuff like uh -huh. that. Um, and Beautifully Mundane, I felt like was this really first like big project of mine. Um, right. and, and that first song was definitely at the helm. And I, I started off the song kind of purposefully just me and my guitar because I wanted it to sound very similar to my album before, which was Nostradamus, where most of those songs were just me and my guitar. Maybe I'd play bass in the background for some yeah. of it, but most of it was all acoustic. Um, but then this one, it starts out acoustic, just like the last one. And then after that first verse, you hear this drum beat and then yeah. all these other things start playing at the same time to kind of be like, oh, this is different this isn't the same album this is someone who's grown and knows how to mix music uh -huh. a little better that's cool is it about anybody in particular it's less about i'd say it's without less about naming, a person. without without naming names <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i'd say it's less about a person and, and more about a feeling of yeah. um you know the time i i've been sitting on beautifully mundane for a few years and i originally started writing it at the very end of my time at college and it was just like a feeling of really wanting to get out and a feeling of really wanting to do something brand new, but not having an idea of what that brand new thing you want to do is. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of you get to this point where your life has been structure for so long and all of a sudden it's like you're graduated, you're done. And it's like, I want to <laughs> go, but where, you know, what do you now do? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that, that, song kind of came out of like well here we are in, in this world and of course i got out i graduated in 2020 so yeah. of course that was really a heck of a time to be thrown out right, right, you know right. of, of this you go from structure to all of a sudden like every day you wake up and the world is different from when you went to bed right it's, but we didn't do that yesterday what we do today you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah uh what i thought was interesting about it is when you put two words together like beautifully mundane and that's the song title. You kind of think that something unique as that phrase phrasing would be really pronounced in the song, but it's not. It's really subtle. You bring it up here. You bring it up here, but it's not like in the in the chorus of the refrain. Yeah. Um, well, that, that kind of comes with the inspiration for the title um, to begin with. I was listening. I was driving home from work one day, and and I was listening to Bruce Springsteen's "Thunder Road," oh. and. One thing I love about Bruce Springsteen is he has these words that are just, you've seen them, you know, when it, when it yeah. opens up with screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. I mean, those are things that, that I feel like anyone could see. And uh, a lot of his songs are like that, where he's writing about kind of this small town feeling, uh -huh. um, you know, he, he's got a lot of songs like that. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, why is it that I'm getting goosebumps and I'm hearing stuff that it's like, Oh, you see every day. You don't even think about it. You know, right, the idea right. of, of a storm door shutting or someone on a porch or, or some truck breaking down somewhere. It's like, those are things that you see every day. Why am I feeling so kind of chilled to the core listening to yeah. this? And it's, it's because they're it's mundane. It's everyday things, but it's just woven into this, this beautiful song and the music and everything takes that mundane and makes it beautiful i gotta and, give a uh, give a shout out to a buddy of mine i've known since high school we had a creative writing class once together and we had to write about something mundane and he wrote a paper called the beauty of a fresh baked pretzel <laughs> and 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 that just now when you're talking about it i thought greg daniel you'll love this song <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's the feeling. It's something you yeah. you've seen every day, but man, when it gets put in just the right light, kind of those rose tinted glasses or like kind of a golden autumn afternoon feel. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it paints it to totally differently. Well, Griffin gate Griffin graves is our guest today here from Augusta, Maine on the music of America podcast. And we're going to listen to his song we're talking about here. It's called beautifully mundane. 
minutes as the night had passed on. Service was incredibly, specially long. Night it was peeling those straight jagged springs. Whole town looked over when the church bells rang and she sang, and she sang, and she sang, and she sang. And where was she just one year ago? Lost in a daydream of something that's mundane From freshwater springs to the bad sides of town Wishing and wanting and willing to be down So she sang and she sang For the wind and the wild and the fatherless child So she sang and she sang When her lamp had fell on the ground She frantically tried to find her way around So she slipped in the dark And she scraped up her knee By the time the new light came She knew it must be So she sang And she sang So she sang And she sang As she settled the score thought of the odds. Someone three times her age worked at a bar. They both shared the one for the beautifully mundane. Both shared the spotlight. They both shared the flame. They both sang. They both sang for the wind and the wild and the fatherless child. They both sang. They both sang for the tattletale sounds and the wearing of grounds. They both sang. Mundane with Griffin Graves from Augusta, Maine, here on the Music of America podcast. We'll be back with Griffin in a moment. Are you a 30-watt amp guy? They've got like a 50, I've got a couple hundred watts, but 
the 30 watt amp from Landry Amps beats everything I've got. This LS30 came to Bill Landry from taking the red channel from his 100 watt LS100G3 and make one channel a lower wattage EL34 powered amp. After building the prototype, he divided the one channel into two channels with a shared stack. As it turned out, they worked really nicely together with bright switches, separate gain controls, and master volumes on both channels. Bam! The LS30 from Landry Amps with all the goodness of an EL34, all this and barely over 25 pounds. The LS30 from Landry Amps. Check them out on his YouTube channel, Landry Amps. It's Landry Amps or at LandryAmps.com, www.LandryAmps.com. So we're talking with Griffin Graves, and in the background here, since this is audio only, I'll share what I see here. And I see it looks like at least four guitars, maybe five, hanging up on your wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a whole whole bunch of different guitars that I've managed to collect over the years. Do you name your your pets? <laughs> the only it's funny, the only one that has is this this green one, this green ovation celebrity yeah. back here, um, is Greeny, which right. Well, you know, you're talking about a guy who owns Blackie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Right. And, um, you know, most of the other ones that I just, you know, I just call them by the name on the stock or whatever. And, right. Um, except for the other one that, that you can see there is a 12 string guitar. Um, that one, I, I, when I was doing open mic nights, um, there was this elderly gentleman named Gary and oh. he showed, you know, he came up all the time. Um, he was this nice guy and he was like wicked smart. He was like this crazy physics professor, um, knew everything in and out, wicked smart guy. Yeah. And um, sadly, during, you know, after the pandemic, he ended up passing away from non-pandemic related things, but um, he ended up passing away. And I, I just happened to be home. And one thing he said to his wife before he passed was he goes, I don't want my instruments to be locked away in a basement or in a storage unit getting getting dusty. I want you to give them out to the people that I played with. Uh -huh. um, and so I went over to his home and, and he had set this aside and she said, if, if you want it. So I, I've kept it all the same. He's got notes kind of taped to it. I, the only thing I've changed on that is the strings. And so that guitar's name is Gary's guitar because, because it's, it's Gary's. Yeah. That's, that's fun. That's cool that, that you have that emotional and nostalgic connection there too. Uh, so that's one thing that caught my eye. The other thing that caught my eye is your T-shirt. You're wearing a Pink Floyd T-shirt. So I got to ask if Pink Floyd or who was an influence in you when you were learning how to play? Who did you try to emulate? Um, well, Pink Floyd definitely was. I, I love Pink Floyd. I, I love the kind of, I don't want to use the word quirky, but kind of the strangeness that seems to come with a lot of Pink Floyd albums. There's uh -huh. definitely a Pink Floyd feel. Um, but my my biggest the, the the biggest influence I'd say that I I had was Bob Dylan. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of discovered him on my own in high school. He was it was a movie soundtrack that I heard, and um, I what was the movie? Do you it. remember? It was Warm Bodies. It's a like a rom com with zombies in it because <laughs> I, I I liked that. I went to go see it, and they played the sh uh, the song Shelter from the Storm. Right, right. And um, I just, you know, I, I got, there's a lot of other really good songs in that movie too. Um, but I was listening to the soundtrack and I was like, this Bob Dylan guy. I'm like, that kind of sounds, this is a good sound. I like this. And my dad, who's been like an absolute Dylan maniac for years, um, he kind of never really showed me Dylan because he kind of wanted me to find him on my uh -huh. own. Because it's, yeah. it's very different finding someone versus like, here's all this right here. Listen and, to the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he kind of, you know, he didn't shield me from Dylan, but he just never came out and showed me Dylan. And man, he was so excited when I said, have you heard of this guy named Bob Dylan? Like he yeah. sounds so <laughs> good. And um, from there, it quickly turned into like collecting all the albums. And, right. and uh, I, I managed to see him uh, one time in Portland. I'm going to be seeing him again when on in Boston now. Um, on his tour so really getting into the stuff that he liked a lot of the songs that i first started playing were old folk songs um yeah. and dylan songs that that he did but still to this day i mean i, I love love having sitting down listening to these albums that i've listened to like hundreds of times but it still feels just as magical as when when i first heard it yeah um 
but I love love Dylan, definitely. We had a lot of flooding here in Vermont this year, as you know, and so a bunch of local musicians got together, and I've heard, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but uh, they all got together, a lot of the local names, the name musicians from around the area, and they did a tribute for the Hug Your Farmer Foundation, and it was it was a concert. It was a great concert, and all all my favorite local musicians. And uh, the theme was Bob Dylan music, so that was really cool. The Sweet Remains is a three piece guy, a three piece three piece vocal acoustic band of uh, gentlemen, and one of the vocalists is the wife of one of the guys in the band. So she joined them, and the four of them did a version of. I think they did Blowing in the Wind. It was incredible. And then some other guy came out and did a metal version of Maggie Ma- or Maggie's Farm, <laughs> which was really, really fun. Uh, do you? Uh, and you said you covered Dylan? Yeah, I do. A, I do a lot of Dylan songs. Um, that's really a lot of the songs that I first learned were, were Dylan songs. And then after a while, especially once I got to doing open mic nights and then later on gigs, it was like, look, Dylan's great. Everybody loves Dylan, but you, you find find someone else to also do alongside uh-huh. Dylan. So you're not just this kid who's like going up and uh, doing Dylan. So I was like, well, I better learn a Donovan song or two to throw. <laughs> <laughs> With me, it was Cat Stevens and Simon and Garfunkel. So yeah. You mm-hmm. know. Oh, and I, I loved all of them to listen to Simon and Garfunkel, um, Cat Stevens, like for that T for the Tiller Man was one of those yeah. records that just kept going and I never took it off um, for a while. Then later on, you know, some Bruce Springsteen. I mean, Tom Petty as well. I had yeah. always liked Tom Petty, but I saw him in a different light after after getting into music. Yeah, um, isn't that funny how that it, works? Yeah, you know, you, of course I knew all those Free Falling and You're So Bad and all those songs that everybody knows. I knew those, but um, it was just, I didn't really, I guess, appreciate them as much until I started doing music. Yeah, well, uh, I was this year, there's, well, actually last year, years old, when I started rediscovering the Beatles. And that's of my era, from my era. But I never really got into the Beatles until uh, until Disney Plus came out with that documentary on, uh, uh, yeah. was it Let It Be or Get Back? I think it's called Get Back. They had 28 days to write an album. So that really got me into appreciating them. So now I can't get enough of them because I want to, because now I have a finer appreciation for not just their art form but the process and in talking with folks like you that do this stuff all the time it's like i i give up i'll stop buying pens and paper (laughs) (laughs) so the next song of yours is called fire in the dark and with your influence by uh, bruce springsteen my mind jumps immediately to dancing in the dark so is there a connection between the two of those um no i actually never thought of that until right now (laughs) funny enough um yeah, Fire in the Dark for a while, I it was going under the working name of Flash in the Pan. Um, oh. Then I was kind of like, I don't know, it just didn't f- kind of fit with the rest of the the feeling of the song. So I was like, okay, I, I need something else. Like, But it's kind of about, once again, it's about a feeling. I guess I'm noticing that a lot of my songs are about a feeling. But, yeah. um, you know, that, that stereotypical thing where you you meet someone either at like a nightclub or a bar or a library or anywhere where you meet someone. And there's like all of a sudden this like crazy infatuation with them. Like you're, you absolutely Mm -hmm. are like obsessed and you're thinking, Oh, you know, this person's so perfect. You know, maybe we'll get a relationship and stuff will happen. And, and then it's like, you know, two weeks later, you guys like maybe text every once in a while. And then after a while you just stop talking to them. So it's, it's just this, this, big kind of explosion of of light and it just then it's gone so i (laughs) i kind of thought it's like a fire in the dark you know it's all of a sudden there's this burst of light and then everything around it is is dark um which makes it sound really sad when in reality it isn't it's just more about the people you meet along the way versus someone who maybe you know forever um so that's what this song is about was I met and someone. it's about that feeling. It's about that feeling yeah. that you have, that excitement, that uh, infatuation. Yeah. yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I, I met someone and, and, you know, thought that things were going to, you know, maybe turn into something bigger. And then it just didn't. But it wasn't like a way that I resented 
you know, sometimes right. it's like, you know, why did you never write me back? But other times it's like, yeah, I get it. We're on different wavelengths. Right. Um, so it's just that feeling. I feel like a lot of people can relate. Oh, absolutely. To something like absolutely. that. Um, and so I, I put that one out and I said, you know, here's, here's a song about that kind of this relationship that you build in your head in like the three seconds, you know, where uh -huh. it's like, oh man, this person's awesome. And then like, it's just done. It's gone, you know, and, and you're not any worse for wear about it, but you're just well, thinking, that's wow. funny. It's like, it made me think of that song from uh, the show tune, Hello Dolly. It only takes a moment, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and when the, the, the ramp up to the song, the dialogue, it goes, uh, what's, what's faster than, what's, what's sooner than a minute? You know, and what what's no a second? What's what's quicker than a than a second? A moment. And it's only takes a moment to be loved a whole life long. But then just as quickly as that moment comes, that could also just be gone. Mm-hmm. Fire. And, <laughs> and that's the thing, is it's it fits in with that album too of kind of like this look at life and yeah. and finding the beauty in something that's mundane to look and say, hey, that only lasted like two weeks. Yeah, it was yeah. a fun two weeks. You know, <laughs> go on from that. <laughs> cool. We'll give it a listen then. Griffin Graves, our guest today here on the Music of America podcast, the song "Fire in the Dark." Table. 
jar stained in the floor. Please look at me before you walk through the door. Augusta, Maine, Griffin Graves here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We'll get back and talk to Griffin shortly. Discover your celebrity at the newest, hottest, most interesting, and fun live music show to hit the scene in probably 50 years. It's called Flash Jam. Whether you perform live music or you enjoy watching live music, Flash Jam has something for everyone. Flash Jam is a dynamic way for musicians to come together perform, and compete for recognition and and prizes, rewards. Whether you're new to the stage or an experienced musician, Flash Jam provides an exciting platform to collaborate and showcase your talents. What happens is this. Musicians perform hit songs with other random musicians who share a passion for that same song. So let's say the song is Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen, and Griffin really wants to play drums on that. And I really wanted to play bass on that, even though I don't play bass. And then uh, John wants to come in, he wants to sing vocals on it, and and Tom wants to come in and play guitar on it. Well, we all learn our part, and then we go to the club where Flash Jam is performing. They call up whoever's playing Dancing in the Dark, and then we play it together. And the, con- the concept is just so interesting to me. So we, we share this passion for that same song, and we all perform it for the first time ever. Existing bands are also featured. They perform iconic songs to display their new and emerging local talent and then the live music patrons they also involve because they vote for the best musical combinations of the night and it's all there at flash jam coming to a market near you flash jam welcome to the show have you done band work before griffin or have you always done solo work um i've done a little bit of both um i've definitely the band stuff that i have done has been more spur of the moment uh kind of jam band stuff at open yep. mic nights uh-huh. um but sometimes that's where like the best stuff happens where you just yeah, get some yeah. random people and for like just a you know couple minutes you're all using the same brain cells you know <laughs> and you're all on that same wavelength um so yeah the the biggest lie i've ever told myself or anyone else as a musician is oh don't worry we'll remember that we can do that anytime yeah oh yeah we can do that again and then you're back and you're going oh no (laughs) what did i do dude we've done this where we've been like together a week later and say what was that thing tom what was that thing you played john what was that thing you did last week hell i don't know (laughs) here here and gone here and gone what's your process I, i love asking this question because everybody's different what is your your process for writing do you think of an idea what you want to write about? Do you have a feeling that you want to express? Or do you just play around with music and all of a sudden words come out or what? Well, I think so. Like when I was in, in high school, I used to sometimes write poetry, which seems now looking back seems pretty edgy and cringy about myself, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I kind of always liked that. And then when I got to the point where I was uh, writing music, the words always came first and it it usually came from some very heavy 
emotion that you're feeling. So if you're like feeling really, really happy or you're feeling really, really sad, or you're really, really anxious and, yeah. and you feel the strong feeling, I feel like that's the time where, I don't know, maybe everything else quiets down and you can just focus on that one thought. And that's where I feel like a lot of the good music comes down. And um, sometimes it's fast. Like that, that last song fire in the dark. Uh, I wrote the words and the chords for that in about 15 minutes. Wow. It, it, it was fast. It was just, um, but just like what the song is about, it was just a quick flash and it was there. And, and so I find that if you get all of a sudden this inspiration, something you see, something you hear, something happens to you, even if it's just pulling out a note on your phone and writing down two or three right. verses just really quickly and, and then come back to it later. Cause there's been times where I've written songs and they have just kind of sat there. And then you find this old, notebook from whenever and you look at it and you go there might be something here and you start kind of working around with it um but i definitely do write best when i'm able to be kind of in my own space um, yeah kind of on my own Uh, i've tried a few times to write with people and i just think it it becomes too much of a distraction for me you write you write from personal experience you write from personal emotion so how do you share somebody else's emotion exactly right Yeah. yeah Interesting, because um, there are a lot of different songwriters that will do exactly what you just said. They'll they'll corroborate. They'll sit down and, in fact, uh, uh, back to the Beatles thing real quick. The the song yesterday was originally called Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> did you know that? No, I didn't. That's, that's my that's my yeah, because it and it, that wasn't really the name of it. But when they first started, when Paul was writing the song, John said, "Well, sometimes you just throw some words out there and you make it fit." So scrambled eggs. Oh my gosh, you've got such sexy legs. <laughs> evolved into yesterday all my trouble seems so far away you know yeah and you and, you would not be able to find the connection between the two if it was just out in the open right right <laughs> but that's an example of corroboration though uh yeah. they also did the same thing with something uh george was writing something and he couldn't think and he's and john's like well what is it what is it is it something the way she what something in the way she what you know she makes you feel makes you hungry makes you and then the, from there, he said the same thing. He says, if you can't think of a word, just throw something in there. So uh, he said something about pomegranates. And so he's thinking about pomegranates, pomegranates. He says, the pomegranates. It was just so funny. And then, and then the beautiful song that he, that came out of that was something. Actually, the, when he said cauliflower, and then he said pomegranates. And uh, then George said, well, I think, I think pomegranates works better than cauliflower in there, John. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Last song, Midnight Train, not Gladys Knight and the Pips and the Midnight Train to Georgia. <laughs> Actually, so, I think yeah. Midnight, Midnight Train, I think, is also the name of an old, old blues song. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I think you could write an entire book on kind of like the romanticization of trains. Yeah. Which yeah. seems kind of strange. Um, but whether it's like a subway train or a train across the country or whatever, I think there's just, we all have this idea of kind of that lonesome train and you see it a lot in those old folk and blue songs, you know, freight mm-hmm. train blues and all this other stuff. The idea of usually someone going from town to town and they're, you know, don't have anything except what they strap to their back and, and they're off. And so there's kind of been this. On a romanticization of of the hobo yep. and the you know the trolley person and and so I kind of like that. Um, once again, Midnight Train is, is is kind of this this feeling of knowing that something's not right. Um, and it, it, once again, it came from this kind of splash of inspiration, and then it kind of sat for a little while, uh-huh. and then I came back to it um, because I, I was going through. This was years before I even ended up kind of mo- moving things around. I had just written down a couple words and, and got into it, but it, you know, I was going through this really heavy breakup at uh-huh. one point and um, it was, we were together for about two and a half years and, and it kind of, you know, while it's not the longest uh, time, it was my first like really, really long-term relationship. And so it was this feeling of like, even when, I wasn't talking about the breakup that was happening or even when I wasn't involved in the breakup that was happening and I was maybe off with friends or trying to do something on my own. There was still that kind of feeling that yeah. something wasn't right. And um, so I, I kind of use that, that phrase 
that feel like everything I own has been moved to the right. It's just, <laughs> you, you can't tell the stuff is yours and, and everything's right, but you wake up and you kind of just have this feeling that like something's just not right and you can't really put your your finger on it. Um, and then kind of at the end of the song, it gets to the question um, of, of the song, where were you today? And, and all yeah. of these things. But um, that whole album that Midnight Train was from, Nostradamus was the name. And I, I had read this book about Nostradamus and, uh-huh. and uh, his prophecies. And it was a really good book that was kind of written by someone who wasn't trying to either prove or disprove Nostradamus. He was just like, here's it written in French. Here's the English translation. This is most likely what it could be meaning. Um, but I was, I was reading the book about Nostradamus and his predictions. And, and I just thought, wow, you know, what a, what a guy to write these things down. And and right. here we are once again, it was 2020. There was so much going on. Right. Um, so I wrote it about everything. It, it was an album about, uh, the pandemic. It was an album about um, Black Lives Matter because that movement was was going full swing and, uh, you know, just kind of this feeling of unrest that was happening during the time. And then I slipped this song, Midnight Train, in there because it's kind of like this whole album is about everything that's going on. But you got to remember that no matter what's going on on the outside, there's still stuff that's going on in the inside. Right, too. right. And even though this breakup had happened long before 2020, um, it was still something that it was like, when I found the words, I was like, this could actually kind of work right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a personal look to an album that is really just about everything that's going on and, and more in like a 12 month period where just everything was flipped. Pretty cool. So now when we listen to it, as, as a listener, not as the artist, but as a listener, we, we come to it with our own frame of reference. So you hear it one way. When I hear you explain it, now I have to listen to it through your prism <laughs> and hear a whole new song, which is pretty cool. And the song is called Midnight Train. Our guest, Griffin Graves, right here on the Music of America podcast. Something ain't right I went to bed in the morning And woke up at night And I find Everything I own Has been moved to the right To the right Someone ain't here I could see her face But now the picture ain't clear It ain't clear And it's strange I got that shaking twitch In the back of my brain In the back of my brain How many days has it been? Will the world ever be the same again? How much have I wiggled out of my place? How long till it blows up in my face? The night watchman tells us it's time to move on And it ain't right And if something ain't right, well, you know it's wrong You know it's wrong 
water it flows from west to east while the north and south take their blows take their blows it thinks it's hiding but that look on your face makes it show makes it show What made you hesitate to stay? And justice is only a stone throw away. A kiss it happened in the rain. Well, I see you tonight on that midnight train. Yesterday seemed so far away What was it I was trying to prove? Why wasn't I there with you? Midnight Train with Griffin Graves from Augusta, Maine. Our first guest this week on our visit to Maine, Griffin. This is the segment of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So what's coming up with you through the month of November, December, the rest of the year, whatever, 2024, what's on the horizon? How do we help you? How do we support you? How do we get your merch? How do we get your your music? So uh, first I want to push my, uh, my band camp. Um, that is at Griffin Graves 1997.bandcamp.com. Um, that is where I'm I'm putting a lot of my my music out on there. I'm also trying, kind of in the midst of getting some some merch out there, some stickers or or something yeah. small like that, just to test the waters. There's also my Facebook page. Look up Griffin Graves music and it will pop up with the same i use the same profile picture for everything so it's pretty easy to figure it out <laughs> um spotify i'm on there griffin graves um as an artist for spotify uh, i'm on soundcloud apple music amazon music no kidding. all those okay. places you're, you're um, everywhere yeah i'm just i'm kind of putting out my feelers everywhere um facebook's probably the best place because if i'm doing covers or something like that i'll i'm giving um kind of promotions for it and, right. and talking about it. So that's, that's the best spot. Um, also videos of me live performing on YouTube. If you just look up Griffin Graves, uh, it's popping up and those are filmed. Most of them filmed right in Bar Harbor um, during these live gigs Bahaba. that I do. Yeah. They're in Bahaba <laughs> doing these live gigs. Anything on YouTube that we won't find on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, there's some more covers and even some videos that were from years ago when I first started playing. Um, those are so always fun. Those are always those fun are to, fun do to look comparison. back. Yeah, yeah. At the time, it didn't seem too bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, Griffin, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, we're three hours, well, five hours to Bahaba, but we used to go to what I call the Highway One corridor. We love York. So we usually hit like a Gonquit, York, Kenny Bunkport, Kitterly, somewhere around that area. But uh, this year we found a home in York, so that's probably going to be our go-to place going forward. But if you play down that way and we're over there, 
We're certainly going to come find you. (laughs) Perfect. Look forward to it. (laughs) Great. Griffin Graves, our guest today, and uh, that wraps up our first visit to the state of Maine. Tomorrow, we travel to Lebanon and meet Ashlyn Bard. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America. Music of America.